Hi, I'm Paul, and this is Our Connect Sessions. On this first episode of a six-episode series, Ken and I will be introducing conversations that we had with a number of members of the architecture community that are sharing stories about what they're going through right now during the coronavirus quarantine and the resulting impacts that it's had on the economy and architecture and jobs and pressures on on, uh, architectural practices. If you haven't listened yet, Ken and Donna and I dedicated a whole episode last week to just kind of catching up between the three of us. So this week, we're just going to get right into it. So Ken, you ready to you ready to do this? Yeah, a lot's even changed for me since last week. So it's gonna this is gonna be fun. Oh, what's changed? Oh, uh, I I quit uh, I I quit the firm I was with. Uh, it was actually happening kind of during our podcast. That's why it was a little a little more amped up. So I was quitting the firm and I was uh, taking a job with another firm. Wow, that you are <laughs> <laughs> a very rare. Uh, case of yes. someone that that's actually able to to make a career move to a or a professional move to another firm right now. That's yeah. great. Congratulations. Thanks. So there's <laughs> opportunities to be had at even the worst times, yes. as as Ken has proven. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, and it, and it, it was great because uh, the the firm that I was working for they um, they were looking forward to transitioning back into the offices this coming Monday, and the governor just set us back another two weeks. I kind of think I've, it seems to be a little bit of a hesitation f- from the uh, principal to to follow suit. However, the firm I'm going to, they work pre-COVID. Um, they work remotely, exclusively. Exclusively. So even after this is all over, you'll be continuing to work remotely. Yeah, I could go into an office or we'll be a, a physical office. But uh, yeah, we're going to we work exclusively. So very cool. Wow. Well, keep us keep us updated on how that goes. Yeah. But I'm looking forward to these three very different perspectives on the experience that everybody's going through right now. Very different. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got 18 stories total that we're sharing in this first series. Uh, For those of you listening, if you have stories that you'd like to share with us, reach out to us. We would love to keep this going throughout this time that we're that we're all going through right now, just to hear from people and share share uh, different experiences and and uh, perspectives. These first three stories that we're sharing today, it's a pretty it's a pretty eclectic mix of people. Yeah, very. There's uh, <laughs> geographic uh, diversity. There's diversity in experience. But yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to share this. So why don't we just jump right into it? The, the first conversation that we're sharing is a conversation that I had with a, an, an unlicensed design professional working towards his licensure in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. His name's Zachary Kunzman. And I found, I found this conversation especially inspiring. I feel like he had a really great attitude in light of, of recently being laid off. He was the, the least experienced at his, at his practice. And yeah, he had a really great attitude. I mean, I, I, I feel like this guy, I'm not, not too worried about, about this guy's future. So why don't we go ahead and uh, listen to that? This is Zachary Kunstman from Oshkosh, Wisconsin. So my name is Zachary Kunstman. I am an unlicensed professional seeking licensure in the state of Wisconsin, and I currently reside in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, which is pretty much in the heart of the state. Uh, before this pandemic, 
our office had a bunch of different projects that were happening. It seemed like everything was just great. We were doing uh, a lot of presentations to potential clients to hopefully win projects and bid. And we had a lot of work coming through our office as this began to take a hold of some of the major metropolitan areas in our country. I noticed maybe a little bit more lax on some of those projects. And then as it came closer to home, my firm actually terminated me as an employee due to lack of knowing what was going to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what I've been dealing with. I'm sorry to hear that you that you were laid off. So basically, it was more your employer's position was more that they were unsure about the future. So they wanted to preempt I, that I by, it, by beginning layoffs. Right. I think it was that. We're a small firm. And mm-hmm. so I'm also the youngest and I guess you could say least experienced person that was on the team. And so I can understand that in light of the circumstances, you would want to keep all of your team players who have been there the longest and who maybe have more to bring to the table. Uh, not to say they don't have anything to bring to the table, it's just they have a lot more experience and maybe they are able to work from home. Whereas someone who hasn't been in the industry as long, similar to myself, maybe I don't have as many resources or knowledge set to be able to work from home as efficiently without, you know, constantly asking someone else, hey, what's this about or something like that. And so in that regard, I can see why he would do something like that or why the firm would choose to uh, terminate someone in my position first. And so I'm, I'm not I'm not angry because this is impacting everyone. There's no industry that isn't being touched by this right now. What I think will be great is when we get on the other side of this, that maybe more people will be looking into our uh, industry and architects in general to help ensure that we can start building systems and the built environment in a way that will prevent this from taking over our society in the future. And I think that's very exciting. And how our firms and our firm culture can actually grow from this and take things that we've learned during this time period and use that into the future so that we can become stronger as an industry and be able to withstand something like this the next time it happens, if it happens. Oh, that's really interesting. So you're you're hoping that the architecture field will start developing architectural strategies for limiting the the, the potential spread of a of future viral outbreaks. Right, right. Yes, absolutely. And I've been in a few online Facebook groups, kind of talking about this, like how is this going to change what we do moving forward? And so there's been talks about maybe limiting door handles and certain things. How are we going to handle? mixed-use buildings where you have one lobby servicing like maybe a small grocery store, an apartment complex above, and then maybe some offices. Like, how do we navigate that? Do we do touchless doors in the future? Do we make sure that certain air handling systems can elevate in a time like this so that we can get those particles out of the air faster? Like, all those different parts of the equation that I think will be interesting to see how we can take that into the future. And there might be more of a buy-in, too, I think. For instance, if you have a building that maybe has more of these technologies to prevent something like that, maybe it's going to be a selling point for a, a person entering into that building for a, an apartment or for a condominium or even an office rental space where they can feel more confident um, taking that office space or that, that apartment because it has some of those preventative features, knowing that if something like this were to happen again, they'll have a little bit more time or a little bit more defense on something like this. And I think that will be very powerful. So it might be similar to like lead or uh, sustainable sources for materials or something like that. Yeah, that's that, those are really great points that I'm actually not seeing architects talk about right now as much as they could be. Because I, right. I, one one of the consistent themes from the people I've, ta- I've I've been speaking with is that there are a lot of architects looking for 
opportunities right now, you know, in, in light of this crisis that we're all going right. through. And a lot of people are talking about developing their, their skills, you know, taking right. classes online, but looking towards building niche architecture specializations like like developing architectural strategies for combating you know future epidemics that's that's a great idea i mean it's a perfect it's a perfect way to kind of specialize in, in an already specialized area right and i i think that kind of goes into what we agreed upon when we uh i haven't taken my oath or i haven't signed anything saying that I'm, you know, uh, an architect because I'm, I'm not licensed, of course. But when we take that step to become licensed, we're protecting the health, safety, and welfare of everyone that we design for, whether we know who they are or not. So similar to people with uh, disabilities, I, I feel like we really need to be looking into that more. And then things like this, protecting the health and safety of our building occupants or our built environment occupants. This kind of goes hand in hand with that. And so I think that there's some some awesome research that is being done. And, and I think we'll learn a lot from this to be able to use into the future and, and elevate what we can offer as an industry. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that uh, perspective that you have. And I think that this is the time to really start digging into that. Considering that you have just been laid off, what, what are your thoughts going forward? Are you, are you kind of waiting until things start to show signs of normalization before starting to look for a new job? Or you, have you already begun thinking about a job search? This is a very interesting question relating to job search and what the future entails. I have seen firms around the country on certain job boards that are still hiring. I have seen uh, other industries that are similar to our profession still hiring. While there aren't as many openings that I'm seeing right now, there are still places that are, are hiring people. And um, I have a friend who actually started at a new firm and she started working remote and they sent her a laptop and a whole bunch of other things to help her get started. So I think there still are some jobs out there. It's just in the smaller municipalities, kind of like where I am, there probably won't be any openings. As far as what I'm doing to kind of get me through this, I own my own business on the side of my day job or what was my day job. And so that's kind of helping and I still have those clients, uh, thankfully. And then what I'm planning on doing is working on myself, kind of similar to what I think I heard you say other people might be doing. So working on myself, bettering my personal branding, what I think architecture is, and then developing that into like my mantra and a platform online, and then kind of putting that into my portfolio. I think that if we can take this time as a pause to really truly reflect on what we think and what we value about architecture and put that into some written words and, and a mantra for ourselves when we come out of this, if you have lost your job, maybe that will help elevate you and find you a firm that will better connect you with the resources to make that possible for people. That's great. Before we finish, I'd love for you, because you've got, you, you clearly have a lot of really smart ideas. So I'd like to hear a little Thank bit you. about what your own business is. Certainly. So architects have an array of different skills that we acquire through the design process, through school, and then also through working at a firm. So we're graphic designers, we're photographers, we do other business aspects such as marketing and, you know, building our websites. And so that's kind of what I have done on the side. And so I help a few different organizations and businesses with marketing. I've been doing a lot of website building which isn't something that I wanted to do initially, but there's a need for it. And especially as a lot of businesses are shutting their doors, their online presence needs to increase. And so showing their services or even an online store of what they have so that people can still buy it and we can keep the economy moving, that's a very interesting thing to look at. And then my favorite thing is photography. And so doing uh, content generation and, and things like that 
right now it's a little bit harder to do something like that and businesses aren't going to want to bring someone else in to take those pictures but kind of organizing that so that when we do reopen they have a strategy of how to get the word out and to increase their business once that happens and so that's kind of what i uh, focus on so what's the name of your business and how can people find you yeah so my business is actually kind of a spinoff of CMYK, which is what we use mm-hmm. in printing. And my uh, initials are ZFMK. And so it, it's a little bit of a stretch and spin, but ZFMK Creative Firm is my business. And I have a website um, that's www.zfmk.cf. So zfmk.creativefirm. And so that's where people can find me. Um, I'm a small business and I have a lot on my plate right now just because there's a lot of people in need of moving from an in-person platform to moving online to show people that, hey, we're still here, we're still open, we're still serving food or whatever it might be. And so it's a great outlet for me because it's very creative and I have more shorter deadlines than in the architecture world where sometimes you have a project that lasts, you know, a year or more. That's awesome. So you have something that's going on right now that you could potentially come out of this recession uh, being your full-time work. Absolutely. What was interesting is I was making, I don't know if I want to say that necessarily uh, to everyone, but I was making more per hour with my side business than I was making at my firm. And so I was spending less time on my side business but making a higher profit for the time I was spending in it. So with this whole transition into a different time period in my life, it is possible that I could see my own business actually increase its capacity through all of this. And I actually have a new client that just signed on, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, which is exciting. And so kind of like there are still people hiring, there are still people seeking work. And I think it's it's up to the innovators to figure out what those areas are and to kind of slip into that. So uh, when we have a business plan, sometimes we can get so locked into, oh, well, that's not part of one of my services in my business plan, so I can't do it. I think we need to get out of that mindset. And if there's something that's related that we've maybe never ever done before, maybe give it a try. And now you might have increased what your business can do and grow in that way. And I think in this time, we need to be thinking about those types of things to be able to grow and be more malleable so that a lot of our companies, firms, and businesses don't end up going under. Well, you've got some great insight there. And I'm sorry that you were laid off, but honestly, I think it might've been the best thing for you because it sounds like you've got too many good ideas to... uh... (laughs) To, to not put all your energy into. Thanks so much for sharing your story with us. That was really great, Paul. I think one of the things that is should be the biggest takeaway from this is that the situation is dire, but we're problem solvers. And um, that's what you get um, when you are thinking about how do we re-engage, how does architecture, how do we as a people, as we, how, do we, how, do, how, how do we as a culture re-engage space? And so to be thinking about that now in this moment is what's what's really it's what we really need to be doing right now i've been pretty down on a lot of uh different design people out there right now trying to architect the problem but i think his perspective um is more about what how do we re-engage later not trying to solve the problem currently but how do we re-establish a new normal so that was um that was really good totally i i think he he just fully captured the creative kind of essence of the architect, you know, as as a creative thinker looking at ways to solve a problem in untraditional, using untraditional approaches. The fact that he has already established 
a new kind of set of priorities when he returns back to the architecture industry is is so important. You know, this is a time that we can really kind of reevaluate what's important in our lives and, and also in our careers. And the fact that he's kind of had this side project going on and now he's got really he's got a lot of time to invest into building his uh, consultancy into into something that could potentially relieve himself of the of the need to find an architecture position once things start kind of getting back to normal. So, yeah, so that was great. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's something that, I mean, again, I think, you know, we, we have these podcasts, but the one thing that Donna and I reconnect with on the podcast, we kind of talk about is that this is, this is a part of what we have to do as professionals. And, and Donna and I have been thinking about an idea that uh, I've been cleverly calling uh, revenge capitalism, but I won't get too much into the details because I don't want to toss out a really good idea. But, you know, just in my work, trying to understand what's the future of hospitality? What's the future of restaurants? I mean, that's a big, that's, you know, that's the biggest industry right now. That and retail is the, are the biggest injuries affected by this virus. And so how do I, you know, how do I think about those spaces in the future? It's really, it's an interesting concern and interesting problem. And a lot of creative solutions are going to be had out of this. So, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. And I mean, when everybody gets back to work in those, especially in markets like that, that have just been put on on hold, there's no excuse that there hasn't been any time to think about how to how to go about it in a different way. Yeah. Because we all have, we all have that, that, well, I mean, some of us are busier than ever these days. Actually, a lot of us are, but in, in a variety of ways. Anyways, making the best use of the time, I think that was a good kind of takeaway from, from Zachary's conversation. So next up, this was another person I really enjoyed talking with. She has an incredible amount of insight into what architecture firms and what architects, working architects, go through just on a day-to-day basis, but especially she's been through a few recessions now. Her name is Nancy Kleppel. She's from New York City. She's been actually spending her time outside of the city in a rural part of uh, upstate New York uh, during the quarantine, which has kind of changed her outlook on her lifestyle. But she's been working for for decades with with architects. She's, she's trained as an architect, uh, but has been working as a consultant to architecture firms, specifically advising them on issues of strategy and business development, which is so incredibly critical right now as as many firms are are struggling to figure out a way to to just stay afloat. So yeah, let's listen to her conversation now. So I am trained as an architect. I have a master's and I practiced briefly before going into a business role in the industry as Director of Business Development for SOM New York in the mid-90s. By 2000, I had left SOM and have spent maybe 80% of my career as an independent consultant with a couple of jobs along the way in very large organizations and senior roles. But since 2015 and starting in 2003, most of the time I've been a consultant to firms of all sizes, uh, everything from Cesar Pelli, several hundred people in two offices, to a single guy in Williamsburg and um, everything in between. And over the course of my career, I've probably worked with 150 different architecture firms, predominantly in the Northeast, but to some degree all over the country in places like San Francisco and Los Angeles and Billings, Montana, and in Florida and Chicago and New Hampshire and blah, blah, blah. And the nature of the work I do is strategic, and it is also 
geared towards enabling firms to communicate at the sharpest, most consistent and powerful level possible to enable them to compete in highly competitive situations. Yeah, in cities like New York, there are a lot of qualified architecture firms and there are opportunities that are highly desired by large numbers of people and you have to be able to distinguish yourself. Many of my clients are award winners, fellows, well-known names, some international. And so that's what I do in general. Um, A lot of coaching and training, a lot of messaging development, and a lot of development of strategy to carry firms forward at moments of transition, whether it be leadership or ownership or market transition because of an economic event or a desire to get into a new market. You know, just a strategic desire to participate in a market that to date has been not a part of the firm's practice. So I have enough questions for you to keep you on the phone for two hours. <laughs> Unfortunately, we only have five to ten minutes, so maybe maybe we can talk again after this after this sure, quick second. So you have been a consultant for for how long now for the architecture industry for for architect, uh, architectural coming clients? up on twenty years. You know, coming so up on you, maybe eighteen years, a long time. So, So this is not the first crisis you have worked with clients through. That's true. It's not the first crisis. It's somewhat unique in the speed with which it's overtaken us. But no, it's not the first crisis. And I think you would find that most people who are seasoned in the industry, they know when all the recessions were. They know the dates very well because they remember what happened to them and their community when things really began to change and and got into the thick. So I have two questions for you. First of all, what are you seeing around the country with your with your clients, you know, with a variety of, of geographic locations and and sizes of practices? What are what are your clients going through right now? Sure. Well, so for the most part right now I'm working with clients in New York and mm-hmm. I'm working with clients in small to mid-sized firms. I've seen a lot of work stop. I've seen, you know, good actors and bad. I've seen one colleague of mine who was furloughed and then asked to come back and work for free, which I find infuriating. Wow. Um, doesn't even involve me, and I find it infuriating. I'm that seeing is, yeah. firms who are working hard to make sure their staff is still working on project work while they do strategic and business development work so that the firm, when things are less uncertain, will get a faster start back up at things. I'm seeing things stop altogether and firms not knowing what to do and having to lay off teams. I mean, you name it, I'm seeing it. And what I'm advising people to do, because so many things are completely beyond their control, is to think about what is within their control and address the kinds of things that are going to allow them to emerge whenever that happens with greater momentum or with greater poise or with greater security just because they've done all the things they can do themselves. And in many cases, firms don't know what those things are because they never really have the time to take a step back and think about, you know, working on the business rather than just in the business and executing work. And it's, it's a good opportunity. Go ahead. One of the things that have come up in many of my conversations is a lot of people are looking for opportunities that this that this horrible crisis right now that we're experiencing is is offering them. And I think it's it's as you said, it, it can be really hard to break out of that that daily routine or that that regular kind of business approach to kind of pivot into a new way of working 
while facing such such challenges. What are some of the things that you think architects could redirect their energy into right now? So they can redirect their energy into taking a step back. I'm advising a lot of clients to do this. Taking a step back and thinking about what they really want to be doing and understanding who the clients are that commission that kind of work and then understanding how it is they go about connecting with in a really meaningful way, connecting with those clients to set them up for the future. Because I think that while it's not rocket science, many firms don't really realize that relationships with clients and potential clients exist regardless of whether or not there is an opportunity in play at that exact moment. And cultivating those relationships is a worthwhile thing to do at all times, including now. And, you know, in my own life, there are clients I work for, I I don't know who's going to be paying me. It's very unnerving. I'm a self-employed professional and I don't have a big safety net underneath me. And in spite of that, you know, I'm trying to continue to encourage those clients under contract with me to continue with those contracts while at the same time understanding that some of them might not be able to and allowing them to alter the terms when possible. But also, I'm continuing to do some of the work knowing that I might not be paid for it because it's important to do and because the um, goodwill that it will bring my way in the future is certainly going to be there. And while that's not necessarily replicable exactly as stated for design work for clients, there are some clients for whom we can continue to work and be engaged even with the uncertainty of whether or not we're going to be compensated because of the relationship and because we have the time. And so it, it, for me, it's become a, a careful balancing act of what can I do that's going to propel my business forward into an uncertain future whenever that's going to start while supporting clients, while also looking for new opportunities that make sense at this time. But I'd say the underlying sentence is, it's never a bad time to be nurturing the right relationships to sustain your business, even if you're not executing projects based on those rec- uh, relationships right now. That is such great advice to firm owners. I know that a lot of the, a lot of the conversations right now are happening to the majority of our industry, which are workers that are working for firms and and companies. But it's really great to get that kind of advice and insight into into situation that firm owners are going through right now. Before we finish, I just want to check in with you. Um, are are you're in, you're based in New York? Have you been able to remain healthy? And and uh, has have, have the people around you? been able to stay healthy? So I left New York more than a month ago. Okay. I have a house in the Hudson Valley, two and a half hours mm. from Brooklyn where I live. I would say most of the time, although I'm kind of shifting to be more of the time up here, even before this whole situation. And I am not only healthy, I'm extremely healthy. And I live in a very rural community up here. It's a, a fairly decent land area with 5,000 people. So we are not much at risk here in the Hudson Valley by comparison to New York City. That said, it's very scary to see what some of my friends are going through who have not been able to leave. And I I have my oldest friend who I know since the fourth grade, her older sister, who is 62, is in a hospital where she's been for five weeks with the virus, just got off a ventilator, has no idea what's gone on in the past five weeks. And she told me last night that people at the hospital told her sister that she is one of five people who has gotten off a ventilator in this big urban hospital in Brooklyn. Not the most urban, not the biggest. 
five people that has gotten off the ventilator. And she's a relatively healthy 62-year-old, not a more fragile 70 or 80-year-old. I know a bunch of people who have gotten sick, but not very sick. Um, And then I just, I know a lot of people who have been okay, but they're starting to get cabin fever or nervous or just sort of psychologically a little more strained as time continues on. And they are people either who live alone or with one other person or in a very small space. And that is a tough one. I have to say, it's not my experience. I go out for walks every day in 300-acre conservation areas that I don't see another person. So my experience is a whole lot gentler than a lot of people. Well, I think a lot of people will be reconsidering their urban lifestyle right now, especially yeah, those that have had the opportunity to, to get out into a more rural space during this time. Yeah. I'm a lifelong New Yorker. I was born in New York. I've lived there all but 10 years of my life, you know, 46 years. And I have lived in New York for 46 years, and I, in the past, would never have considered leaving New York. However, over the past few years, some changes in the city have had me thinking about it, and this might be the thing that makes that change actually happen. But there's one other comment I want to make with regard to firm owners, you know, going back to what we were talking about before, which is just that in addition to the importance of fostering the right relationships for one's practice, I would say similarly, it's really important for firm owners to sustain their teams. And to really look to their teams as non-expendable and to be as transparent as possible and to offer the kinds of things that are going to bind the team together in terms of sharing their strategic objectives for the firm and sharing their struggles and sharing all but the very few things they have to keep close to the vest. Because, you know, like, I'm sure you're familiar with it. Every recession, we shake out a huge percentage of architects who never come back. And so there are certain demographics of architects that just, if you need a 55-year-old architect, there's a whole lot less of them out there than you would think because we graduated into a recession and a lot of people left. And a lot of people will leave now. And at some point, people are going to want to have the kind of loyalty among their teams, whether it's for that reason or others. And so the kinds of relationship building efforts one can make internally, as well as outward bound, outward focused on clients and other collaborators are so important because people really need to feel like they're not being treated like they're the first and most expendable the moment there's a problem. They'll remember that. That is an excellent point, and I'm glad that you were able to fit that in before we finish. Thank you so much for uh, sharing your, your insight and experience. I would love to continue this conversation with you at some point. Maybe we can we can talk about kind of expanding on some of the points that you brought up right now because I think you have a lot to offer the industry Perfect. right now. But yeah, thank you so much. Take care. Yeah, I think that was fantastic. I mean, again, a lot of her advice is very direct. And and like in you know, I was reading the notes um from her conversation before I listened. And it's very it's really pointed. Um, in a very interesting direction, because I think a lot of the conversations we have aren't from that perspective, which is, you know, really explain to employers how to value what they have. And I think that's one of the things I've been hearing that I've been finding. And I, I was on a, on a Zoom session last night with architecture lobby in the Twin Cities. And we're finding what we're finding an interesting dynamic. The smaller firms have a harder problem trust with trust issues. The smaller sole proprietor firms have a, have a big issue with trust, and the larger firms have a, a more flexible perspective 
on on this outlook. So there seems to be a bit of a disconnect that I think that Nancy can help navigate, help these smaller firms navigate what's important and reconnecting with those values that makes them so attractive to work for. And um, so hearing her perspective and hearing that coming from that standpoint and really talking to firm owners is, is, I thought was really, really interesting. Very good. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I would, I would love to get Nancy back on the podcast or maybe, you know, we can do some interviews with her for the, for the website, but she's, she clearly has a very unique insight into what goes on behind the scenes with architecture firms. You know, she's worked with firms around the country, even though she's mostly focused on firms in New York right now. But yeah, there aren't too many people out there that really have that kind of inside inside view into the day-to-day challenges uh, among architecture business owners. Yeah. So let's move on to our next conversation, next and final for this episode. We've got five more episodes uh, coming in the next few days and weeks. Uh, but this last conversation is with an architect in Glasgow, Scotland. He did not want to use his real name, which uh, I think when you listen, you'll understand he, you know, he has a real concern about retribution uh, for, within the architecture industry. He, his experience included some questionable firings or layoffs, which in my conversation with him, I realized that it takes a lot more to justify a layoff in other countries. Here in the U.S., you can, or at least in California here, you can lay somebody off or fire them for whatever reason you want. You don't need to have a justifiable reason, yeah. but it sounds like he, sounds like he was kind of pushed into a corner and given, uh, he, he was unintentionally gave his employers justification for letting him go. And, and it seems like, uh, anyways, let's, let's, uh, let's listen to his conversation and, uh, we'll chat a little bit about it after that. So here he is an unnamed architect from Glasgow, Scotland. Um, I'm I'm qualified British Scottish architect. I've had quite interesting experiences over the years, but I'm I'm in my early forties now, and unfortunately, in October, well before the virus, I'd been in a practice for over three and a half years, and I was sort of victim of constructive dismissal, where where you almost push an employee out without formally sort of terminating the job as such, but by excluding them from projects or key meetings or hierarchically making them feel quite low. And it had been going on for months and I was given a choice of taking some money or going through this period of scrutiny, which was impossible to do with the circumstances that they set up. So well before the virus in October, I I left with some money that was better than nothing and I thought I would start fresh, get a new job and I got this new job which didn't start until January. Um, I had to wait three months for it to begin and I had to use the money that I lost from being paid off from this other firm. But we thought, okay, it's a fresh start, it's a small firm, they do good work, they seem they seem like nice people and I started in January positively, optimistically wanting to move on from this horrible period of constructive dismissal. And I started off doing care homes for for residents, you know, older older people in in sort of health deterioration. And I'd done mental health years ago in other practices, so I thought it was a quite a good correlation to some previous work. And to cut a long story short, the probation period was three months, and I'd been there for 
11 weeks and this was a few weeks after the virus had started to escalate in Italy and Spain and things and these employers were very reluctant to allow people to work from home remote remote working they they didn't see it as very productive and they started to change their view about um, security and things particularly with me because it was only a practice of five or six people and the week that Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister of Britain, said that every firm must make people work from home if they've no, um, if they've got the option to do it, when it became formal, they took me into a room and started to question my performance on things that they probably had 11 weeks to question. Said they had financial uncertainty, and then started talking about AutoCAD, which is quite a primitive computer program rather than Revit. And every practice around the world now use Revit, and I was using Revit. And they started questioning my AutoCAD experience, which is completely irrelevant. And then I finally was to go home and work remotely. I bought a new laptop. And on the second day of working remotely at home, he called me up and said, this isn't working. And almost tricked Uh, trapped me into agreeing that it wasn't working and then because I agreed it wasn't working he terminated the employment and then a day later I got a letter saying due to the virus and wanting the most you know competent staff and this and this and this and that and because you've agreed this isn't working in inverted commas we've now terminated your contract and mentioned various things about the virus and the financial uncertainty but because i had that blow in October from the firm of three and a half years and then the waiting three months to start a new practice and then getting into it and then just as you were getting into it, the virus um, starting and then the the lockdown, it's quite a blow and in your early to mid-40s with there not being much work in Scotland at best of times and quite a small incestuous competitive pool. Yeah, it's, it's hard, you know, so... When I stumbled on this um, website or link, um, yeah, I felt to share my story. You know, that's kind of what's happened. You know. Oh, I'm am so sorry to hear about that. I mean, that's those are two uh, those are two really hard employment experiences to have to go through. It sounds like the the latest practice that you had been at for eleven weeks. It sounds like they may be a little behind in terms of technical sophistication and uh, with with the ability to transition to working from home and and allowing our staff to work remotely. So it sounds like that's that's part of the problem that they were experiencing that led to using your performance as an excuse to to let you go. Does that sound correct? Yeah. Yeah. It's like they panicked with the virus and then remote working and they didn't have all, all the yeah, IT things that a bigger practice would be, or the resources. But I feel I tried to wash away the the other experience, you know. And I, there wasn't there wasn't the feedback that things were going bad. So I was quite gobsmacked when they called me in the room and said um, the things they did. But I think what's haunting me is I probably could have begged to hang on working from home, but I didn't, and that made it easier for them to terminate. But that was because at the time, which I forgot to tell you, was my wife was extremely ill with fever and all the symptoms of the virus described in the news. It transpired to be tonsillitis, but at the same time, we had a 15-month-old baby to look after. So I had the juggling of the 15-month baby because the nursery was closed, my wife being ill, and them saying this isn't working. 
all at once. And then I got tricked into sort of agreeing this isn't working. And then they made you, you know an easy way to terminate the employment. And at first there was a sense of relief. And then like lots of architects, the reality of things haunt you, you know, a few days later, a few weeks later. So my concern is how do I explain to a future employer what happened, even though the virus is possibly a good Good excuse, you know. Um, yeah, I, I think you know the. I guess a, a positive way of looking at it is that uh, it will be seen as as a, a very common issue um, that a lot of architects are experiencing right now with uh, you know redundancies due to due to the virus. But it sounds like the the termination was a little a little coincidental uh, with, yes. with the the change. And I, I mean. Clearly, that's what my yeah. friend, I've got a friend that works in America, and he said the timing of it, it, yeah, the remote working and the virus is what caused the termination. He feels what that, is, that mm-hmm. they would have hung on and things, you know. Is it, uh, I, I'm not sure what, what the, the the labor laws are like in Scotland. Is it generally required to have a legitimate kind of verifiable reason to terminate a position? You have to uh, I think because I hadn't fulfilled the probation period, which is three months, they had the, the, the law on their side, and I think they knew that as well. And that was played; they played that in their hands, you know. I think the last thing they wanted to do is me to work from home just past the probation period, no more, and then have a legal case. So, I think, as you said, there's something about the timing that you know, there's something about fate and how the whole thing happened. But the the good thing that's come out of it is I've my wife is all right. I've look I'm looking after this our baby, which gives me a chance to bond um, even more. And I've been doing lots of online lectures and courses and looking at Revit tutorials and, and keeping my brain ticking so that if things do improve, um, I've, I've not stagnated because that's the worst thing. Uh, like the last recession, if you've not worked for a year, that's fine if you've been keeping yourself busy. But if you haven't been keeping yourself busy and an opportunity comes up, you're not ready to go and it, it, it's like a double whammy you know it's I learned that the hard way you've got to keep yourself even if you've got not much money or not much happening you've got to keep your brain ticking you know so absolutely so you're 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 using this opportunity to to uh, advance your yeah your I think I'm I'm haunted though that my friends who are working as architects successfully still the online thing is working, the remote access, they are meeting deadlines, they're getting things done. And when you see a video cam, a video recording of, of someone you're talking to, it does seem more real than I thought it would. You know, it, it, you know, if you said 10 years ago what's happening in the world now, you would think it's ridiculous. But things are being done, and I feel I've missed out on that. Like Harvard, Harvard Graduate School of Design, they've got online architecture lectures, and by chance I... I linked into one of them, and you feel like you're sit- not as the, like, not like the real thing, but you feel you're sitting in a lecture. And I didn't I didn't realize that was possible. So I think people can still do things, whether they're working or not working, with what's happened. You know, you've just got to be pro- proactive. You know, absolutely. And as you're saying, there are now opportunities to join in in events out on the other side of the world, if if uh, you know if your time zone permits. Yeah, what, and you feel, is, feel you're, you feel you're part of something because it's almost like some positives. You've gone into a territory you would never have even dreamt of because of what's happened, you know, and it, it's different, you know, it's, it's interesting. 
What is the situation like in Scotland right now, just in general? Uh, um, um, the, 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 the death toll in Britain was announced at about 14,000 a day. Every day there's about eight or 900 people die or 1,000. Um, and we just got told about an hour ago that we're on lockdown for another three weeks. So employers are resisting and employing anyone until that three three weeks is over. But London, which unfortunately my age, I'm too old to move back to where I did extremely well in seven years ago. They're always hiring in good or bad times and they're still posting job adverts. But it might be that the people aren't placed until the lockdown is over. But you wouldn't know there's not work on the way there, there is in Scotland, you know. London's like New York in good times. It's just, yeah, it's, it's a constant honeypot for, for work, you know. But it, but because my wife and family are in Scotland, it, it's, it, it's, and I'm in my 40s, it's too difficult to move, you know. Yeah, understandably, especially with, with a baby. Yeah, it's, it's hard. And when I was in my early 20s, I lived and studied in Chicago for two years and I got a taste of America and how exciting and how much opportunity there is. And then in my mid-30s, I got a taste of London. So I've had the taste of Chicago, the taste of London. But now in my early 40s, I've had the taste in Glasgow of two firms not working out back to back. You know, it's horrible. It's hard, you know. So yeah. I'm, I'm using online things to stimulate me and you know, rebuild myself. It's it's hard. Sorry if I'm going on too much, but you get no, no. You, you get the idea. Yeah, no, I'm 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 so sorry to to hear that you have to go through both of these experiences. I'm glad that you're able to you know to find uh, ways to to use this time and this opportunity to to invest in lectures and and yeah. more learning. It's it's a that's that's one positive side that I've been hearing yeah. from people. I think so that what I would say about America, which maybe be presumptuous or ignorant on my part, is Donald Trump's acting like it's over or the worst states have had it. I think there'd be states that it hasn't fully developed in and I worry, you know, like things came later to Britain from than they did in Italy or Spain and there could be some states in America where they're under an illusion it's okay and it could evolve more. I don't I don't mean in a negative way and Everyone wants to get back to the normality, but it's almost got to filter out. You know, it's absolutely we're seeing we're seeing every day. You know, parts of rural America that have not been taking it very seriously starting to get hit pretty hard. You know, I know in uh, I believe north north of South Dakota, there's been a recent uh, dramatic surge in cases in in a state where there has been little to no orders to to stay home or or avoid gathering so it's it's going to take a while i'm sure uh, surely there's going to be waves but uh i know for you know where we are here in the u.s it's 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 hard to know where to get the real information because it's not necessarily coming out of the government yeah yeah it's i it's unprecedented times in the whole world in the, in the same place and um a lot of people now are blaming china and being open about these wet markets and the source of it and it's it's I don't know. It, it makes us realize we're all too petty about things in good times. You know, I want this, I want that. But now just the idea of being able to go to a restaurant or a bar or a church or to a sports club seems like a dream. You know, it's, it's to go to an architectural lecture, to, it all just seems, um, yeah, that's a fantasy at the moment. So I think we're all too hard on each other and too selfish in good times. You know, we are. And 
we all need to learn from this, you know? Definitely. I, I agree. I mean, personally, I've realized how much I've taken for granted uh, just with regular everyday life. Yeah, and architects can be so arrogant and snotty and egotistical and not look at each other, not acknowledge each other, put each other down. And, and I'm sure in America you get it as well over nothing, you know, and we realize we all need each other. And hopefully the humanity will be more sensitive and warmer when we recover from this, you know. I'm hoping so too. Um, but constructive dismissal with the previous practice, that is illegal, but proving it, takes um you know a lot of money legal money a lot of time but i spoke to a lawyer and he said you know what they did was illegal but you've no choice but to take the money and leave and they places know that and it's horrible but i i would never want someone to have to go through that money sounds good but it's not because look at me i I got this money which was say four months salary before you knew it it was it was gone at christmas but the job i got offered didn't start till january so in a way, it wasn't more money, you know, being offered four months' salary to leave a place. You know, it sounds great at the time, but unless you've got a job lined up, it's it's almost like a poison chalice, if you know the expression, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, it just got you by until the next opportunity. And unfortunately, this opportunity came at the worst time for you. Yeah. So thank you for listening. Are you based, where are you based in America? In Los Angeles. Oh, Wow. I love yeah. that place. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Erico and Moss and Tom Main and I love oh I love Los Angeles. Uh, Culver yeah. City, Santa Monica. It's amazing. Yeah, it's a great place. I love it. You know, and, and fortunately California has remained quite vigilant in, in how we've been kind of self distancing. So it seems like the situation is relatively under control at this time. It's nothing like like what we've seen in New York or some of the other spots that have seen the big outbreaks, but you know, who knows what, what tomorrow will bring. Well, say hello to Los Angeles for me, and I, I do love Morphosis and Erico and Moss work. I really do. <laughs> me too. So, thank you well, for thank your time. You so, thank you so much, and I hope you and your family stay healthy, and, and uh, best of luck in, in uh, yeah. resuming work as soon as... as, soon as yeah, I will, uh, I will find a way. I will find a way. I'm sure you will. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you. So he he brings up a really interesting point. I've I've heard from a few people out there that have felt unfairly treated given the situation. I mean, obviously a lot of firm owners are are dealing with a very stressful situation right now. So there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of inadequate communication going on between firm owners and their staff. But one thing that I have heard is that it seems like there's been you know, a few businesses that have kind of taken advantage of this crisis to maybe treat their workers in an unfair or unethical way, specifically, you know, maybe for some unjustifiable layoffs or, or firings. So this was, a, this was a, an especially interesting perspective that he shared with us. Yeah, I felt particularly, this one really hit me hard because it really, it gets at the worst elements of this profession. I mean, not only was he, I mean, he spoke, he talked about speaking with attorneys and, and the attorneys really said, yeah, you, you're, you're exactly right. This is illegal, cost money to, to do this. And, you know, there's always repercussions, no matter what anybody, you have to be pretty solid to file a lawsuit. You have to be pretty, um, not only confident, but self-sustaining to do something of that nature. But even the next, 
you know, his next opportunity. I thought, you know, I thought he would, I think some of his architecture friends really, really kind of um, were trying to point him in the right direction, but that, that they were really um, angling um, to get rid of him. They, he didn't, I don't think he gave him an opportunity. Um, I thought it was pretty, pretty straightforward that they were looking for a path. They found a path. They latched onto that path, you know, and took a weasel's way out. And I say that, you know, I have to kind of remind, I get, I have to remind myself again of the conversation I had last night with the architecture lobby. And I said, you know, one of the things that I think firm owners, small firm owners, maybe a larger firm owners, you know, it's harder when you're working at a large firm because there's so many quote unquote owners. So it's, it's a, you know, it's a collective decision trying to salvage and save a firm. It's a, you know, when you're a sole proprietor, it seems much more personal. But at the same time, I think one of the things I said to the, to the young people last night, I said, you know, they're going through the same shit that you're going through. They're dealing with the same stresses, the same fears and same things. And for whatever reason, they just can't articulate. They don't want to show that weakness, what was perceived as weakness. And it's just showing human frailty. And I think that was what's so great about, you know, Nancy is that, you know, she talks about remembering that and and bringing that and showing that. And, and that way, not to manipulate the moment, but to at least build empathy across the um, perceived chasm between a firm owner and an employee, an employee, which is tough. And we talked a little bit about this last week, Paul, you know, it's a struggle and, and just trying to remember. Um, but this, this particular individual, yeah, it's, it's a, I think there are more people out there probably going through this than not. And I think that, uh, we need to hear more of those voices because I think those voices are really what's going to change the profession. I think ultimately the bottom line, I think it's going to take a, a collective group of wholly dissatisfied and wholly run over individuals to actually motivate people to change. And you'll hear it in other, others, uh, other people who have either positively or taking, um, by re navigate or renegotiating their pathway and putting their energies in other things. Um, people who have joined the lobby. So you'll hear a lot of that. So this is good. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. You know, if, you're a listener right now and you have, you know, grievances or strong opinions on the, on the industry in general or what's going on right now, get your voice heard, you know, let us know. And we'd love to talk to you. And, you know, this, there's no better time than now to instigate change in the industry for the better. You know, there's as hard as this situation is right now, there are opportunities to to reevaluate and start pushing for changes. And um, now's the time. Let us know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, I guess that's our first series of, of conversations. There's going to be five more episodes coming in the next uh, few days and weeks each one with three different conversations with members of the community. We hope you got something out of this. Let us know what you think. And uh, we look forward to continuing to, to share these stories with you as we all continue forward right now. All right. As always, great talking to you, Ken. And just uh, for the record, Donna has been incredibly busy running a nonprofit and uh, an operation and, and working as an architect at, at the firm that she's at. So she has not been as available as much as she would have loved to be involved in these conversations. Timing wise just hasn't worked for her, but hopefully she'll be able to join us on the next call to kind of share her thoughts on, on some of the conversations that we've had. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks for listening and we'll talk to you guys next time.